Welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. Today I'm speaking to a disruptive pastor in Fiji from Bethel Church, which is just outside of Nasori. Welcome, Richie. You could just call me Richie. <laughs> I can. You don't like being called pastor. Why not? I've, I've grown up as a pastor's kid, and I've seen how people would normally relate to my dad. And they, they put him high on the pedestal and they see high of him, which is what we here in Fiji, we call honor. But he didn't like that. But he said he couldn't change it. So when people said, when he had gone to be with the Lord and, and then people said, oh, you're going to be taking on his role. I said, I'll take it on, on one condition that you don't call me pastor. I would rather be your friend and I'd rather have you come to me and be able to share openly and not just look at me as a pastor and be afraid of me. So, so that's one of the reasons why, <laughs> yeah. And that's what we want to discuss today. Um, we want to disrupt this, um, I guess it's a culture of hierarchy that exists in Fiji where the man is always a bit higher than the woman, the pastor a bit higher than the people. But when you look at the Bible, that is um, not how Jesus uh, approached. He came riding in on a donkey, not a limousine. So we want to have a bit of a conversation around that. I do see, look, I see it in Australia as well, but it's very strong here in Australia. The pastors kind of sit up the front on their big chairs and <laughs> always eat first and they're served. So how has that been something hard? Why have you wanted to break through that? For me personally, it's... Before, during the lockdown, we had, um, I had a time just to really spend with my dad. And one of the things that we really talked about was how we were going to do church after lockdown. And one of the things that he said was, we're going to build the people, because the focus has to be the people. And it's not about the programs, the programs will come and it has to assist in the things that we're doing, but the focus ha is the people. And so we talked about a lot of things and one of the main things that he told me was, he used the Fijian word and it was, it was suainitakadaka. And which means that we're like, as leaders, we're like the, the, the rags, the clothes that we wear when we work, because we're just here to serve. One of the things that he told me was, if there's anything when people look at us, they don't see us, but they see Jesus. So we reflect him. We bounce off that image to them. So we're here to serve. One of the things that he actually said was, son, we're not going to have any other top tables in church. We're going to have one table because Jesus had one table and everyone just partaked and, 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 and broke bread from that one table. So at Bethel now, when we have a function, there's just one table that's prepared well and everyone lines up, whether you're a pastor. And, and even if you're leaders, you, you all line up. And even the youths, we, we've derived... Uh, a word called swag, S-W-W, well, our swag is spelled with two W's, S-W-W-A-G, and the first S stands for serve, because we feel like we really got to make sure that we, our life is a life of service, and we serve everyone, um, because the way that we serve people shows how much we serve God, and if uh, a young person um, tries to get in line, and also it, one of the youths will call out foul, uh, which is first others, you last. So as soon as that youth member hears foul, they'll just put their plate or give it to the next person and walk around and, and just try and help serve. But that was one thing that my dad said, that we're the focus is the people and we're here to serve them. Yeah. I mean, that is disruptive because 
I know most pastors would say they focus on the people, but something happens when you just lift yourself a little bit higher, don't you? And I was speaking to a, the head of Lifeline here in Suva last week who just said he hears from people in church that they never feel free to speak to their pastor because of that barrier that they've kind of placed that they're more important. Is that something that really exists from your point of view? Do you think um, a pastor on a pedestal stops people from talking to them? It does. It does. Um, like I said, when people see you as a pastor, especially from my experiences growing up, being a pastor's kid, I've seen how people would normally view my dad. As soon as, when he's not there, everyone's talking and laughing and enjoying it. But as soon as he walks into the room, there's complete silence, you know. And even when he comes around, everyone's like, oh, bula, bula, you know, and oh, bula, taltala. And so it's like, all of a sudden, people change instantly when he turns up. And it's because from, from my stand, I'm like, you know what, at home, I see him as dead, you know, and it's because of that relationship that we have. And, and even wherever we go, it's, it's still him. And, but people, because they see him as a pastor, that relationship is not there. And so people, they, they put him so high that all of a sudden it's like, it's like he's God. <laughs> You know, and, and, and even when they do something wrong, when my dad comes into church, people try to avoid him and they try to walk away from him. But he's, so he's always said this to me, he said, son, I may not be able to do a few things right and I may get it wrong. But when you, when it comes your turn, make sure that you always seek God and you just see if it's God, you keep going. And people might not agree with you. People might not understand you but you're not here for the people, you're here for what God's called you to do. So definitely that is um, the same thing that happens, I, I feel, especially in our church. Yeah, yeah people know that um, from listening to this podcast that I'm here in the Pacific because we want to see a change in the abuse rates, um, the, the rape, the pornography. Uh, and people might be thinking, well, what's this conversation got to do with that? <laughs> it has a lot, actually, because... In our churches are sitting a lot of uh, abused people, a lot of raped women, uh, kids struggling with porn addiction. And when the pastor separates himself from the people um, a bit higher and is not approachable and not among them, they're not free to, they don't feel free to get help. And, um, and then they sit there suffering in silence and there's never really the healing that they need. So, you know, the challenge is for us and for myself as a pastor, we're here to serve the people. And I know when I preach, I don't want to get off the stage and go to another room. I want to be among the people and hear what's going on with them. Um, I mean, is this a culture that can be disrupted? Because I probably see it in about 80% of churches in Fiji. Is it, is it something that we can turn around? Yes, you can. Uh, I feel like we can change it around. So that's why for me, I've started in our church. Um, Dad was a... Uh, he was, he's actually, he was a leader of the movement of CRC here in Fiji. And when he had passed away, there was a lot of things that were talked about that we want to see happen and the changes that we want to see happen. And when they, when they approached me and they said to me, would you want to step into the national team and be part of the national team? I said, right now I feel like I'm not ready for the national team yet because I want to start at home. And I want to make sure that whatever that we do here at home at Bethel, that we will start changing the mindset. And it's not going to take a one month thing. It's not going to take one year. 
for us, the way that we've set our our strategic plan is it's we've set the vision of the church and it's called ministering life. And I said life has to start at home. So one of the things that we're doing is for the next five years, I said to our leaders in the national team, I'm not going to step into the national team because for the next five years, I want to start at home to make sure that as a as a church that we've grasped the heart of of God, that we've grasped the vision to minister life, and at the same time to see that change happens with us. And I feel like it's not going to take one or two years. And for us, it's for me personally, I we can change it, but I want to start at home first. So that's that's one of the things that we're doing at Bethel. And I love that you're taking it a step further because you're talking about starting at home in your church, but you're actually literally doing it at home with your wife <laughs> as well. Um, what does it mean for you to be the head of the home with your wife? And I know you're looking after your mother as well. What does that mean as a Fijian man? Well, there's, there's a lot of things if I had to say what it means to be a man, a Fijian man. But ever since growing up, I've always seen my dad. Um, and I get a, my example from him, you know, um, the way that he would be at home he would never be able to separate who he was at home and who he was at church. People would see him differently, but I would see the same men. The way that he trips mom, the way that everywhere he goes, the whole time I was born and I've seen him go into ministry, not at one time would I see dad travel by himself. And everywhere he would go, he would take mom, even to town or, or even on a mission trip. And, and even though mom wouldn't want to go, he'd be like, come, let's go, let's go. And he'd be like, oh, I'll take you here, I'll take you here. But he said, let's go. And he's always taken mom with him. He's, uh, and Which is why for mom, it's been so painful when he had gone to be with the Lord because on she would have memories of him everywhere they go. And even on Facebook, there's all the pictures that she's uploaded ever since she's gotten on Facebook was pictures of them together doing things together. So for me, the moment that I got married, I... I felt like the stronger my ministry would be, the stronger our relationship is with each other. Whenever dad would, when they would have a, a disagreement, um, I've never seen him be quiet or maybe move away from mum for a whole day or maybe move it to two days. Every now and again, even though he might be right, he would always go up to her and apologize. And he would always be the person that, um, that tries to set things right before the end of the day. And, uh, and that's one of the things I've learned from him was that to be a man, it doesn't mean if you're right or wrong, you have to be the first person that would have to apologize. He was a person that really brought himself down. He, he loved mom so much. I've never seen him laid a hand on mom. And, and that's one of the things that I've told myself that when we got married, I've, up until now, I've never laid a hand on her. But one of the things is that I may not be able to lay a hand on her, but sometimes even the words are much more hurtful than, and that's one of the things that he's always told me. You know, always be careful about what you say and make sure that the words that you use uplift your wife. And in, at home, you gotta, whatever you do at home will be portrayed in your public, you know? And, and that's one of the things that I've just really tried to make sure that, that what I do at home is not as different as what I do. And, and even when we are around with people, I, get, I try to make them see that I'm, I'm hugging my wife. Because we don't do that in the Fijian context. 
you know, I, I try to hold her hand in our services. I, I, I put my arms around her and I just try to love on her. And, and even at the end of the service, give her a kiss on the cheek, you know, and, and I do that a lot at home, but also want it to be done outside so that people could see that, that it's not as different as what it was. Now she's sitting here right beside you. She's a quiet lady, a beautiful lady. Does she get embarrassed when you kiss her publicly? At times. Um, even when I put my arms around her, she'd be like, shrug it down. Or, um, but the, what Dad said is whatever you do at home, it also has to be portrayed outside. So your um, description of how you treat your wife and your mother at home is very different to the Fijian culture, isn't it? Um, and, and again, it's so important because if we're going to see a change in the abuse, um, so much abuse comes just not because a man is necessarily angry, it's because he thinks he's in control and he's the boss and that's why he feels like he can do whatever he can do. And where Jesus is just so different and that's what you're modelling. Um, you know, again, is this something that's changeable? Because your most Fijian men I speak to don't talk like you and don't act like you. And these are men of God as well. So is, is this something, again, that we can change, you think, across the nation? It's changeable. Um, and which is why for, for us at, at church, what we're doing right now is we're investing into our youths. So we might not be able to change the current uh, context, uh, but we can change the next generation. Um, so to be able to change the next generation, I feel like I won't just tell them, I'll show them, you know? And our youths, they, they laugh at me when, I'm, when I got my hands around my wife and, and I drop a comment every now and again about um, who she is to me and things like that. They laugh at it. Um, but they know that as I keep doing that, I know I'm, I'm modeling it. And then when I tell them about how it means to treat a wife, <clears throat> and every now and again, I, um, when I'm up in the front, I'll be like, you know what, I, I think my wife is at the back. You know? I, I, I try to acknowledge her in everything that I do because it's not about me being in the front, it's about us as a team. You know? And um, I always tell the young people, in church that God's taken a woman from our ribs and not from our knuckles that we punch them up not from our feet so that we kick them around but from our ribs that we and that's why they work better not behind us but side by side and they would work even better when we include them in a lot of the decisions that we make and I might not be able to change the the generation that's already gone before but I can change the next generation that's coming up um, but yes, it can. It yes. And you, I mean, obviously your life has been impacted by your dad. Um, and for a lot of these young people, even in your church, they don't necessarily come from homes that have fathers. So, But you're impacting them now. And I've heard you say a few times you're teaching the boys to be warriors and not hunters. Can you explain the difference between a warrior and a hunter? All right. So we, we thought, how do we really get through to the young boys? Um, during our, our youth camp called Call, of, Call to Duty, and it was a pleasure having you there. A day before that, we got all the boys aside and the, the girls went to their own corner and talk. Um, so we got the boys to one side and we started to, to build up what a man's like. And so we brought in this analogy of what a warrior is and what a hunter is 
And instead of telling them, we said to them, all right, guys, what's the difference between these two warriors and a hunter? <clears throat> and they started shouting out, oh, a warrior protects. And it was like, awesome. So if you have to be a warrior, say if you have to be a Fijian warrior, what do you do? They say, oh, we protect our family, we protect our women, we protect. And, and I said to them, what does it look like to protect? So we had to try and really draw the image because it means much more, especially when it comes from them. And so they started painting this picture of what it means to be a warrior. Um, and I said to them, awesome, now let's bring it to this culture. And if you're going to be part of this Bethel work team, or if you're going to be part of the men, you know, you don't have to wait until you are old or when you're married to be that. You got to start now. Because every warrior, they start training when they're young. So you, you got to start modeling what it means to be a warrior. And they, they also talked about what it means to be a hunter. And, oh, you hunt and you kill, you, everything's a prey and you always have to get it for yourself. And it's all about having trophies and that's, that's what they talked about. And so we brought it into the, I said, all right, now let's come back to our modern concept. And if you had to look at a man who's a warrior or, or maybe a hunter, what did it look like? And they started talking, oh, if a man's a hunter, then every girl's a, a lock target, you know? and they would have to say this, they would act like this. So they started drawing up this picture of what it means to be a war. And I said to them, all right guys, now, if you had to look at yourself now, where would you be at? And the room just went quiet. And some of them said, oh, I'm a, I'm a warrior, I'm a hunter. And I said to them, you know what? My dad said this to me once, then that changed the way I viewed women. And he said to me, look at all those girls there. Because I was a person that, you know, growing up in the Fijian culture, every girl I looked at, I, like, I would drop a comment, I, I would say things. Because I've seen the other boys do that. And one day my dad sat me down and he says, look at all the women that's walking there, all those girls there. And I said, yeah, they look beautiful. And said, I said, yes. And he said, always remember this, that's someone else's wife. So if you're treating someone else's wife like that, don't expect your wife when she comes to you to be all in a good package. And that really hit me home. And he said, if you got to treat every woman with respect because that's someone else's wife. And the moment you do that, your wife will be treated well also. And the moment that she comes to you, she will come to you in a, in a perfect package. So for me, that's what it means to be a warrior. And so we started to train our youths like that. And every now and again, when a, a youth would drop a comment, I'd get one of our youths goes, Oi, are you a warrior or a hunter? <laughs> We're warriors here, no hunters. And, and it's awesome just to hear the young boys do that. Um, so that's what we've been doing for them. Uh, that's brilliant. Um, and that's where you bring change to a nation, starting with those young boys. Um, so I love your work from, from the youth to your church to your family. Um, it's powerful, Richie. So you give me hope for Fiji. <laughs> Um, it's, it's great and, and this nation is full of great men. We just need to lead the way and confront the culture and bring in the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Fiji. <laughs> but there's so much to celebrate in Fiji too. Well, thank you for your time today and um, we'll look forward to another great episode next week. Easily I see your suffering I see that bull a smile come out from hiding the sun is rising let the islands hear reason live.